0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. So have you ever watched when kids play? I have a nine-month-old, and he's not yet really interacting with other kids, but I am around a lot of kids more these days, and I see how they they have this really bold, fearless attitude towards pretty much everything, and it seems that no matter what, they always seem to just bounce back with more energy than before. They fall down, they get back up. They, you know, bump into something, they might cry a little bit, then they're on to the next adventure. And um, there is a point to this story. Today's guest is fearless, like a kid. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's a proud father of four, so it's no wonder because he's got a lot of real-life kids around him, giving him inspiration all the t- all the time. And he is, as he says, a lucky carrier of the success gene, unofficially, which he says has helped him and other generations in his family quickly get back up on their feet after hitting a bump on the road. Those are his words. And we're going to hear a lot more from Ryan shortly. But first, let me just give you a little bit more about his background. He started his first website in 1999. How many of you were on the internet in 1999? I mean, I was, and I think I had just learned what Google was. And I was like, what a weird name. Um, I'm like, AOL forever. No, I was wrong. Well, he was way ahead of the curve. In 1999, he started his first Website while still working full-time as a recreational therapist at a children's rehab hospital. Um, The site was supposed to promote his sideline personal training business. Instead, it took on a whole life of its own. He grew it into a giant empire which spanned multiple markets, generating seven figures of income every month. But it didn't happen overnight. And in Ryan's own words, he says, it took years, lots of trial and error to finally, quote, crack the code and have enough nerve and consistent income, let's be honest, to leave the secure world of a steady paycheck. More takeaways from our interview. One, the number one question Ryan recommends that you ask yourself if you're starting your own business today. Two, The worst financial issue Ryan faced in his life, and it had something to do with taxes. And finally, how Ryan was able to take his business to the next level and bring in $20,000 in three days. Yes, I'm going to listen to this again myself. Without further ado, here is Ryan Lee. Ryan Lee, welcome to So Money. I'm so pumped to have you on the show. How are you doing?
1: I am doing great, Farnoosh, and I am so excited for So Money.
0: Okay, Ryan, you're. I'm excited too. I love the energy. It's. Uh, I want to just tell folks on the podcast where you are calling from. I think it's so cute.
1: <laughs> I am calling from the public library in Westport, <laughs> Connecticut. I uh, and and I was just telling you right before we started recording. The the, the great thing is as I was waiting you know, I knew we were going to start the interview soon. I I always walk around and look at the aisles in the book. So you can never learn enough. And you, uh, and I walk into the finance aisle and you are literally like the second book I see. Uh, You're, you're the the so money book. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm going to be speaking to her in like 20 minutes. So uh, (laughs) that
0: just made my day. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know when the last time I stepped into a library. Although when I was a lot Uh, younger, the library was my babysitter. My mother would literally drop me off at the Library when I was like eight or nine, that might have been I, not legal technically at the time. <laughs> um, and she'd go and do her grocery shopping, and I would just kind of, you know, stay in the library for a couple hours. So that's that's very heartwarming. Thanks for sharing that. So cute. So <laughs> moving on to more serious things, though, Ryan, you're a serious entrepreneur. You're a serial entrepreneur, businessman, and we actually met at a networking event earlier. Mm-hmm. I guess at, towards the end of 2014, and we were. I had the great privilege of being seated next to you around the time when I was just thinking about launching this podcast. And mm-hmm. uh, you had some great advice for me. You know, you were talking about, uh, so give me some just great nuggets that night about how to market the business and um, how to uh, grow the business. And I was taking a lot of mental notes. Tal, I'd love for the audience to learn a little bit more about your background, because what's different about you, Ryan, I think, as opposed to a lot of people who are sort of self-appointed marketing gurus and business experts... You've been in the trenches for a while, and you're not an old man. But I just—what I mean (laughs) is, you know, the internet—the difference between one or two years can can sort of be like, you know, decades. uh, Right, can feel like that in terms of how quickly things change. But you've been in this business for a while. You started out um, as a trainer, correct? Mm -hmm. So take us back to your initial journey.
1: Sure. Uh, Yeah. You know, for internet years, it's it's been a long time. I was. Uh, I started my first website in the very end of 1998 and early 1999, and at the time I was working full time in a children's rehab hospital, and I was doing all of the fitness programming, adapted aquatics, um, and we would—it was fun because we would work from like 1:30 till like 10:30 at night when all the other therapists would leave, and we'd have the entire hospital to ourselves, and I would do games like, you know, tag and we would hide in the therapy house. Like, it was just a lot of fun working with the kids. But on the side, I was a personal trainer. I, I worked a lot of hours. I had no problem working. So I want, you know, the internet was just starting to kind of, take off. So I wanted to have a, a website just to promote my personal training company. That was my only real thought about it. But I had no idea how to build a site. Back then, there wasn't the kind of drag and drop software you have now. You couldn't just do it. So I, I hired my 12-year-old neighbor, Jonathan. It's a true story. I, I gave him like <laughs> – I gave him 20 bucks and he just set up – a because I couldn't figure out how to use this. It was, it was called uh, From Page 98, anyone who's old enough to remember. Uh, and and it was just articles. It was just me writing articles about sports training because that was my love and my passion. And I was a an athlete through all four years of college. I ran track and I was captain of the track team and I loved training. And I just wanted to train athletes and write about it. And that's how, that was kind of the first seed to this. And then I really started getting into the marketing and learning how to market this and how to sell it. And I started selling training equipment and I was probably one of the first to offer um, I guess online personal training where people would pay me – I remember these athletes would would pay me like $99 and I would design strength training programs for them. And the funny thing is this goes back far enough where – I'll never forget this. I, I, to take credit cards, they would I, – I used this free shopping cart thing. I would get the credit card information through the email and then I had one of those – remember those old school – credit card machines where you like, chick, chick, you kind of like run your hand oh, over it.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: So, so I used to do that with the slips. I used to write in the credit card info, do the <laughs> slips, go to the bank, deposit it. It was like a whole process. But that's how I got started, and I just kept plugging away for years. Um, a, a large company said, we love what you're doing. We want you to work with us. We want to buy your site. This was right as the dot-com boom was happening, and they gave me $500 in oh, cash. Oh,
0: What? Five hundred your, your whole site,
1: but here was the thing. they said what we're going to do is we're gonna give you all these stock options, and you know, they doubled my salary because I was making like twenty six grand and they they raised my salary to like sixty sixty five thousand and I, I was I couldn't believe anyone would pay me that much money. I remember the physical therapists used to make forty, and I thought they were loaded so I, I took the money. I took the stock options. I was going to be you know a millionaire in two years. And I I leave the job. My wife and I we, we weren't married at the time. We were engaged. We were about to get married the next month. And you know ninety days later, the boot the the bust happened. And they let everyone go. Oh. So I'm like oh my god. So I I the the work the stock was worthless. I got my five hundred bucks. And uh you know I I. Worked for another internet marketing company for about six months. It was the worst experience of my life. I sat in a cubicle, never again. And then I became a gym teacher, <laughs> believe it or not, in the South Bronx and Hunts Point. And then on the side, I'm like, all right, I'm getting serious about this internet. And I really like put my head down. And every free minute I had, we didn't even have internet. This was the roughest area of the South Bronx. If anyone knows Hunts Point, like it was an alternative high school. I used to have to walk you know, two or three blocks to the public high school. And that's where I would use the internet. And I finally launched my first paid membership site mm. uh, in September. And here's the the really, really strange thing. And it's just shocking because I, I had, had it all built out and I was going to launch, I kid you not, on September 11th. Oh. Like that was, I remember driving in into New York. It was a sunny day. I'm like, when I get home tonight, I'm making this thing live. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it was just unbelievable. So I launched obviously like a month later and right out of the gate, it was like five grand the first month. And I was just floored. So I I kept working at it, working at it. I had six months of consistent revenue. And that's one of my big tips, you know, money wise, don't leave. uh, There are some people that say, oh, burn your bridges. You got to take a risk. I I, I'm very conservative financially. And it's like, you know, I would never tell anyone to leave your job until you have that consistent income coming in. Mm -hmm. You might have a good month, maybe two, maybe even three good months. But unless there's like built in recurring revenue, you're really taking a big chance and rule number one is pay your bills. So I, I had at least six or seven months of consistent monthly dependable revenue. And that's where I said to my wife, look, I can do this. Let me do it full time. And this was before we had kids. We have four children now. And, uh, you know, here I am sitting in the public library, talking to you over the internet, and now, and now the business has grown really well.
0: Well, you 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 know, you said in 2000, 2001, you were telling yourself, "I got to figure out this internet thing," and here right. I am in two thousand fifteen. I literally said those words to myself <laughs> like six weeks ago. Um, so, just to, for the audience, this is this is sort of the knowledge gap that, that Ryan and I have um, <laughs> up when it comes to internet marketing. But you transitioned us well now to talk about finance, about money, and I mm-hmm. love talking to entrepreneurs because you know the inclination is to talk about the business the business the business but mm-hmm. before there's a business there's uh, getting your financial bases covered and uh, I, I like that you are conservative I think that mm-hmm. sometimes we hear all these glamorous stories about entrepreneurs who sold everything lived in their cars ate tuna yeah. fish right. you know um, slept on their sister's couch for six months and and then, and then they built Facebook, you know. And then they built right. a a ten billion dollar company. And we only hear about those stories because they became successful. But for most entrepreneurs, it it it's important to be conservative. So let's start with what is Ryan Lee's financial philosophy that helps you not only with your business but in your personal life as well.
1: You know, um, I I think overall, uh, and I have a friend Ramit Sethi. I think you know Ramit. Of he course. had a quote, and I'm going to kind of butcher the quote, but it's like, you know, in terms of, I think it was, you know, there's a limit to how much you can cut back, but there's no limit to how much you can earn. Um, And I I definitely believe in that philosophy. But overall, though, it's really about just being smart and conservative. Now, I was raised, um, you know, my dad, uh, when he he was, uh, I don't know, 20, 22, he never did well in school. He never went to college. My mom never went to college. And his mom, my grandmother, owned a yarn store. So he took over the yarn store when she passed away in like 1972. And he ran that store for 25 years yarn and needlepoint. It was called the Yarn Barn on Route 59 <laughs> in Annuette, if anyone remembers it. But he always taught me to be, you know, don't be flashy, don't spend what you don't have, live below your means. So we, moved into this brand new development in a town called New City, New York. It was just being built. We were the 10th house out of 110. And he purposefully said, we are going to have the smallest house. I'm going to build the smallest house in the neighborhood. He's like, we don't need a a four or 5,000 square foot house. We only need a couple of bedrooms. It it, it was just me and my sister and my parents. And his other philosophy was, you know, there was, he, he had a car, my mom had a car. And it's just like, his rule was, you could have one nice car for the family. So my mom had the Audi, And my dad drove, like, a beat-up station wagon. And it was just about being really smart with your money. And, um, you know, I really try to keep all of my costs down as much as possible. And my friends still make fun of me. They're like, Ryan, you could afford to do all this stuff. But, dude, I I think if you chase the commercial stuff, if you – if you think back to when you were a kid, you know, whatever you celebrate, like I grew up Jewish, it was Hanukkah. You know, if you celebrate Christmas, you know, you're like, oh, my God, if I get this one toy, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be ha- – that's it. That's it. That's all it needs. Mm-hmm. And then you get it, and it's great for the first day, for the first week, maybe even a month. And then you're like, okay, what's next? Like it's it's never going to satisfy you. So I was never – I still don't – I could care less if I lived in a little studio apartment. It, that never made me happy. It's just about the connections and living and love, and that's where I put my focus. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in terms of philosophy money-wise with my business, it was keep being smart, um, not spending money on things that don't, don't matter. So in business, the, only, the, the most important thing that matters, especially when you're starting, is making that sale. Like that's it. All of your time and all of your money and all your resources should be going to making the sale, and everything you acquire to do this, you have to kind of run it through that filter. Is this getting me closer to my goal of making a sale or further away? Is a fancy office going to make you a sale? Probably not, unless you're trying to woo you know clients for big hedge fund deals or whatever. but you know in general, it doesn't matter if you're working you know if your desk costs three thousand dollars like made imported. Italian wood, or you know, my desk for years and years and years was a fold-up table that I got from Costco for like fifty dollars. <laughs> but that's that's all I needed. What yeah. what what else do you need? And and I have a, a cousin who started building a successful real estate company, and uh, he grew too fast, and he got all the expensive art on the walls and all that stuff that didn't matter to make the sale. So th- that's really the way I look at it: being really, really smart with your money and. Uh, in terms of my kind of investment philosophy, back then um, I lived for the first. Let me see. I graduated college in '94. For the first five years at a college, I lived home with my parents. Now, I could have gotten my own apartment and been out and partied, but I didn't care. I I basically slept in the basement. <laughs> you know, I yeah. saved as much money as humanly possible, so I did have a cushion. Um, so. You know, I, I, I just tell people, just be really smart with your money. Don't go crazy. Um, you know, I don't know.
0: I <laughs> know, and, 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 and I completely uh, believe every word you've said, it's really about what it sounds like is having your eye on the prize, you know, and mm-hmm. not being so obsessed about your conditions up until you win that prize. Living with your parents after college graduation, some people would say, man, I can't do that. You know, that's going to cramp my, <laughs> that's going to cramp my style, but yeah. And many, many college students today that's their reality because uh, for whatever reason, they have debt, they can't find work, or all of the above. But Mm -hmm. I always say if you have the uh, ability to live at home and make money, or use that time at home to get ahead financially, it is a wise investment in you, in your financial life. You're going to end up – you're going to be that 35-year-old that can actually have assets. Mm -hmm. And Whereas your your contemporaries who graduated, who may have gone and spent every penny on their own studio apartment in New York City, they're the ones who are going to be still – playing catch up in their thirties. And so I think that was wise. And you've already shared with us a few uh, memories of childhood. And this again, transitions as well to my next question, which is that, (laughs) and by the way, folks, Ryan did not look at the questions before talking. So it's like, he's reading my mind.
1: (laughs) See, we're on the same wavelength. (laughs)
0: Exactly. What's your, your very first money memory growing up that you think looking back now was very uh, much a kind of a pivotal time in your life in the sense that it now has shaped the way that you think about money or or behave with money?
1: You know, it's it was a story my dad told me. Um, when he grew up, he grew up in a town in Long Island and they, you know, my whole family never came from anything. Both of my grandfathers, you know, were w- World War II and th- their parents had immigrated from, from Eastern Europe. So they didn't have anything. So my grandfather, my my dad's father, um, they grew up in a very modest house in Long Island, but my grandfather worked really hard and was smart and then invested in some real estate and started building houses. But something happened and I'm not even sure exactly what happened, but basically maybe one of the buildings, like there was something bad that happened. So my dad said in the middle of the night, because they they weren't really good at saving, they had to leave the house, like literally the moving vans came at like two in the morning and get in the truck and go and move to like this little apartment in Rockland County where my dad and brother then had to share, they used to have their own room in Long Island, and now they had to share a, a couch. They had to both sleep on the couch together. Um, and it would, this was overnight because, you know, they just, my grandfather really didn't do a good job at that time of planning ahead and being smart with the money. Um, so that was a lesson. And I remember my dad telling me this, I must've been, I don't know, 12 or 13. And it just kind of stuck. I'm like, Oh my God, you went from the house to sleeping with, with your brother on the couch. Like I can't let that happen ever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to be smart. So that just, that left a really strong mark on me. And and my dad was very consistent with his conservative, um, means, you know, again, the, the one car, the one nice car rule, and, uh, he never spent anything on himself. He only spent, you know. My mom did. Uh, she passed away five years ago, but she loved to like buy clothes, and that was her big vice. But you know, it, it was just watching him kind of say and do. And then now that he's close to seventy, um, you know, he's fine financially. He has investments and some nursing homes and real estate, and he's he he's under no pressure. And some of his friends who had these big houses are now struggling and you know they have to go back to work in their sixties. So uh mm-hmm. you know, I, I I didn't want that to happen to me and seeing what happened with my grandfather. But the other kind of lesson on the other side of that is then my grandfather, you know, picked himself up by the the bootstraps and rebuilt it again. And when he passed away, he was worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it showed, you know, he had this success gene. And he he so that was another kind of secondary lesson, seeing that no matter what you do financially, like it you got it You're gonna have some bumps in the road. No one's perfect, and I've had a lot of bumps in the road as well. But the the manner in which you get up is really important. Like you got to get back up. You got to dust yourself off. You can't sit around and be like, oh my God, I invested in that stock and I lost 30%. I'm going to go kill myself. Like you have to <laughs> you know, get back up and be like, all right, what did I learn? What's the big lesson? How do I make sure I don't repeat that mistake? Yeah, yeah. And that's how I live.
0: Did you ever ask your dad what happened that night? What was going on?
1: He didn't really know. I mean, he he said there was something going on with one of the buildings that they built. Either it was Faulty. Or it was closed down, or they ran out of financing. But you know, to be honest, I never, I never really followed up on that conversation. He never went into mm-hmm. detail. I, I should, um, but it's it's been so long. It's been thirty years since we talked about it. But I should actually follow up with that. It's a good idea.
0: How inspirational to feel like you have in you, in your DNA, a success gene. Uh, I think that's a really great way to look at it. And knowing that, of course, you're going to have bumps in the road and failure, but ultimately, you have it in you to uh, to do. To to make things right and to and to start over and that's I think really inspiring and you mentioned failure and I was actually on your blog Ryan I was I was reading your great story your piece about forty two mistakes oh yeah as, as mm-hmm. now you've turned forty two right thank you I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit younger so it's nice to like live see this ahead of me and uh, maybe try to avoid some of these mistakes but I, uh, I latched on to a couple that were of the of a financial nature. Mm-hmm. And you talk about uh, number twenty-eight, not paying close enough attention to the finances and tax implications of a growing business. Oh. <laughs> and you also talk about uh, another mistake, which is putting money in a risky investment. You apparently trusted a neighbor, and you lost mm-hmm. over sixty thousand in seven days. So yeah. you, you're not you're not uh, uh, sh- you've experienced failure. This is something that oh, yeah. we all experience. What's the biggest? financial failure you've experienced what happened and how did you recover
1: you know it was probably um in terms of sheer numbers uh it was definitely issues with the IRS um it was my business grew very quickly i was unsophisticated in it and i trusted it to an accountant who would work with our family for 30 years who just you know, he worked with, it was very basic stuff he did. So all of a sudden I had like, you know, three corporations and a partnership and all these different revenue streams. And he didn't really understand all of the stuff. And, you know, there was a delay in filing the taxes and then the penalties came and it was just this, and I wasn't being smart in terms of really putting enough away and making the right uh, prepayments for for the due taxes. So I got hit with this massive, massive bill that i just wasn't prepared for um between that and the penalties it took me a long time to dig myself out of the hole uh so that was what I, so right you know so that was a big mistake is putting all my trust in just my accountant and not paying attention to it you know and and you know again i talk about strengths but weaknesses you know i know uh, a character issue with me like if it's going to be tough and challenging the, especially with the finance stuff like i have such a weird aversion to it i almost kind of ignore it like i'll put it not only mentally, but almost physically in a drawer. Like if I get a letter from the IRS, I'll Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, let me put it in the drawer and I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And tomorrow turns to Tuesday to Saturday and to two weeks. And that's what happened. So I, I got a new accountant and I'm just much more on top of those issues. Uh, but that was a massive mistake that could have cost me everything.
0: Um, Yeah. 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 And, and I've heard, unfortunately, this story before from other entrepreneurs who are now very successful, but it's true. I think, uh, Underestimating your income uh, because maybe you're not that uh, maybe you're not that optimistic in the beginning of the year, but then you have end up having a spectacular year. But guess what? You've only been paying the bare minimum, if, or less than the minimum to the IRS. So they will come after you. Oh yeah. And what you said about having almost a physical aversion to sometimes financial issues, I find that too is more common than we think. And mm-hmm. I call it money zombie. Or uh, kind of like the money paralysis, you know, financial paralysis where we literally like we know better, but we we don't open up that envelope from the IRS because we just are afraid what's inside.
1: Yeah, it's painful. You don't want to deal with it. And and it's I'll, I'll be honest, like it's still something that I struggle with. Um, it's just something I, I just don't like doing. It's just a, because I had such negative feelings with it from all those years ago that mm-hmm. it's still, when I get a letter from the IRS, I get that kind of little,
0: it can't be good in my <laughs> stomach. I know. I'm like, oh. They're not I- writing to you to say good job. they yeah, like, yeah, it's, 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 and sometimes <laughs> Sometimes the IRS is wrong. I have gotten the, a letter in the mail claiming that I didn't claim a certain income, uh, from a project and I. Absolutely did it was in my schedule C. But guess what? Now it's my burden. I mm-hmm. have to like follow up with them. And by the way, they don't have. There's no phone number you can call and speak to someone. You have to all do it through snail mail, which is yeah. You know, it's anxiety driv- driving because it's like, did they get the letter?
1: Right. Are they going to
0: call me? Like, is it is it is it over? Um, I I feel you. I totally yeah. totally feel but, you. But I
1: will tell you one one. And and by the way, they did make a mistake because my last accountant did it incorrectly and. My new accountant, they said, oh, yo, another 80 grand for this one thing. I'm like, no, I don't. And then he called them, he talked to them, and he got it all taken care of for me. But I did find um, a local... IRS office. Um, that's, I live in New Canaan, Connecticut, and there's one in, in Norwalk, Connecticut, which is 10 minutes away. And I go there all the time. So I actually, there's a guy I know. I go face to face. I always ask for a meeting with him and we talk about it. And we go through my stuff. So it actually is, if you can find, um, <clears throat> obviously, especially people living in the U.S., a local IRS office, it's worth going to connect with someone to put a face to it. Cause he's, he was able to like kind of talk me through it and work with me. And, uh, so that did help a lot.
0: Perfect. Yeah, because taxes are just one thing that not uh, only is complicated, but it takes time. And who has time for that?
1: Uh, All amazing. right. Let's
0: talk about happier, <laughs> rosier times. Yes, I, let's please. transition.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's talk about Ryan Lee's so money moment. One, okay. I know you've had probably several, but what's one that you think is something you're exceptionally proud of? What happened? And what was a lesson?
1: Um. I'll, I'll think of one of my first ones with, uh, with the business. Um, when I, for, for a couple of years, I was selling products that were pretty low cost You know, the most you could spend with me was like 40 or $50. And I kept seeing other, uh, marketing people I, I respected saying, you know, you can charge more, you can charge more. And I would hire a coach. They said, just charge more. And I finally had the nerve. And at this time it was, it was expensive product. This was 2002, I believe and I charged $199, and it was going to be for a three-day training all over the phone. This was before webinars. This was a bridge line, and the bridge line only had 100 lines on it, and I said, okay, I'm going to email my list, and I'm going to see who wants to spend you know, the next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with me from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to go three days in a row, and we're going to go deep into this training, and it was $199, and I sent an email, and within a couple of days, all 100 spots were sold out, so that was almost $20,000 in pretty much profit because there wasn't, the bridge line cost like 50 bucks um, and it was just my time. So to to be able to make $20,000 in like three days was just this, oh my God. Like I, you know, I felt this sense of, and it wasn't even about the money. Like, oh my God, I'm going to blow it on, you know, a car. It was just this sense of freedom. Like I can create money, revenue, wealth from, you know, just using my brains, using my my you know kind of New York hustle. Uh, and it was really gratifying. And then what I did was I recorded all of those sessions and I started selling them on CD. And mm-hmm. I've sold thousands of units of 200 bucks o- over the years. And it, it's so funny because it was so long ago, <clears throat> I was struggling from for weeks to decide if I'm going to sell them as CDs or cassette tapes. Uh, So I went with CDs. I I know now it's all digital, but that to me was just a tremendous sense of freedom saying, you know what? I know if worst case scenario, worst comes to worst. If I need to generate some, some income, I could now do it. And, and, and even now, look, I'm, I'm doing fine, but you know, $20,000 for two or three days, most, most people would be really, really excited for that. I still do. And I don't take it for granted even to this day. So that was a big moment. Like, wow, this is, this is real. And, Yeah, I don't have to worry about training a client. I used to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and drive – I mean I would drive – I lived in uh, Rockland County. I used to drive into Manhattan, into New York City, which was like an hour away, pay $10 in tolls to train a kid for 50 bucks and then to come back home. (laughs) I know. And uh, you know, I was trading my hours for dollars and to see that, hey, I can get some leverage and reach hundreds, even thousands of people at one time Mm -hmm. was uh, just really – powerful.
0: And what year was this?
1: This was, I want to say 2002. I had for, for, yeah, for like a year, I was just kind of plugging away, selling $30 products, $50 Mm -hmm. products. But this was kind of my first bigger ticket product.
0: And fast forward to today, folks, I just bought like a $997 product after Mm -hmm. watching one webinar. So if I can be convinced (laughs) to buy something and put that much money towards something that I, I, and ultimately it was worth my, and it was worth my, it was worth, it was a worthwhile investment. But, you know, now we're talking premium, we're talking thousand, two thousand. Marie Forleo right now is pitching, you know, B school and it's, I think it's what, three, three or two thousand dollars.
1: It's usually two. It might be three now, but yeah, it's usually two. Yeah.
0: So, um, Thanks for sharing that. Let's talk about habits now, Ryan. I am a big proponent of, you know, good financial habits. We have habits for eating healthy and exercise. And I think we have to apply that same mentality when it comes to our money in order to keep our money healthy and and growing. So speaking for, as someone who is very health conscious, knows probably well the, the, the physical habits to keep you healthy. What are the habits that keep your money and, and you fiscally fit? Um,
1: financially, uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I have a really strange thing. So I'll, I'll take some of the money and automatically it goes into like just really conservative tax free bonds. But the re and, and after losing so much money investing with my neighbor's thing, and then I also invested in stocks years ago. And every time I did it, I'll be honest, I lost money. Like every and it was it felt like it was gambling. So and I know there's a lot of financial people who disagree with me, but I find such a better return on investment. My habit is obviously putting money away for the, for the IRS immediately, <clears throat> putting that on the side, uh, knowing how much we're going to be you know, budgeting for our family stuff, and then really taking all that extra money and investing it back into my business because I get such a better return on investment when I put it back into my own company. Um, and that's really, I mean, it's, I'm about as simple as you can get in terms of my financial strategy because I know every time I, you know, if I put $10 back in advertising, I know I can break even, get $10 immediately back, but then I have all these customers which could bring another 10 times that. So I just keep kind of put it, reinvesting it back in and starting new businesses and new companies and new income streams that could generate a lot more. I am starting to look now at potentially some real estate, but it's so new and so different to me. and. I want to be sure if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do, I'm really going to know what I'm doing. Right. So I'm, I'm just trying to uh, see kind of what the next phase is. But, but my, uh, my wife does a good job of spending it. So we're trying to, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're good at earning, she's good at spending. And yes. uh, as long as the IRS is getting paid, you're, you're, you're in good shape.
1: Right. And, and, and we have four kids and everyone said, Oh, kids are going to be expensive. I'm like, Oh, come on. How expensive can they be? Oh, oh my God. Um, I especially mean, especially in you know,
0: Connecticut, you know, your neighborhood uh, is not uh, we're, exactly yeah, middle we're, class.
1: <laughs> no, no, we're like the highest earning town in the country, and you know, even tennis lessons for my kid for the year are like five thousand dollars. Like, it's just, <gasps> yeah, it, it, uh, it's, it's, it's not cheap. But yeah, I just, I try not to stress it. We just enjoy it. Like, we go on a nice vacation each year, and I try to just be smart with my money and enjoy i just enjoy every day you know i enjoy waking up and going to starbucks and working and knowing that you know i'm putting the money back into my business and helping people and employing more people and just kind of uh, enjoying the ride
0: yeah and having it sounds you're very very grateful you have a lot of gratitude you wake up with some in, every morning it sounds like maybe not every morning but you know you have this sort of overall sense <laughs> of feeling like you know the world is abundant you are grateful mm-hmm. and i was just reading an article the other day where s- some of the habits of highly Successful and happy people are those who, that's how they sort of start their morning. That's, you know, before grabbing their iPhone and checking email, they take a moment and they pause and they're like, wow, okay, life's good. I'm healthy. My family's alive. Um, I have a job. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I'm very, very lucky
1: yep absolutely. Now, I, I know that. And working, you know the first six years of my career was working in the children's rehab hospital, and the stuff I saw and the kids I saw pass away, mm-hmm. you know from just terrible diseases, and then, you know, losing my mom five years ago. like I, I really appreciate life. and yeah. I think we all have to be grateful. and um, just be smart with your money. and, and I know, and I, I don't judge people. like <clears throat> if you make 100,000 dollars and you want to spend it all on a car. You know, $100,000 flashy car, that's your prerogative. Like, I'm not going to judge you. you. You could do whatever you want with your I'm not going to put my hands in your pocket, but uh, just be aware of the, <laughs> the repercussions. Yeah, That's exactly
0: yeah, that's what, what I say. Like, I'm not going to tell you you're an idiot because you want to buy a Ferrari, but – you, if you can make it work somehow, like I want to help you actually achieve that goal, but let's be realistic. Yep. And we're almost done here, Ryan. Before we go, I like to sh- I like to end with a bunch of fill in the blanks. So I start off a sentence and you finish it. First thing that comes to mind, are you okay. game?
1: <laughs> of course I am. Okay.
0: If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing that I would do is?
1: uh Put fifty million aside for the IRS.
0: <laughs> Man, that was a very like eye-opening experience for you, and maybe even like, oh, frightened. I
1: still have nightmares. <laughs> still have nightmares. It was it was really honestly the worst financial issue I've dealt with. Devastation. But, but, yeah, that obviously that's the first thing I would do, and then I would just I would just put it right in the bank. <laughs> yeah,
0: don't even. Yeah, exactly. It's so much yeah. money. It's kind of overwhelming at first.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even tell my wife. I would just put it in the bank. <laughs> No one would even know about it and I wouldn't change I would not change one that's the funny thing. I wouldn't change one thing about my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like I drive a nice little Lexus EX I just bought, you know, it was it was fifty grand. It it was it's a nice car, but I didn't spend two hundred thousand on a Bentley and you know, I, I'm right Right now, I'm wearing like a, a sweatshirt and jeans. Like, I, I you're wouldn't. you're in the shake-
0: library, okay? That's enough. I am in
1: the library, <laughs> you're using
0: free Wi Fi at the public library.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm rocking it hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better or both is
1: um, the, the thing it makes it better the movies. Going to the movies is like my retreat. Uh, I, I get. An hour and a half to two hours by myself to unplug. I go in the middle of the day by a, like a creep, but I love it, <laughs> and uh, it's just you know I don't drink, I don't smoke. I don't do any of that stuff. That's just my, that's like my thing. And when I go, I don't sneak in you know candy to save money. Like I'll buy popcorn and I treat myself <laughs> and I go. I go create I spend like 20 bucks and it's the best $20 Aww. I ever spent. I
0: like that. <laughs> You're like my my manager does that too. He likes to go. He calls it he one day a year he calls uh in he calls hooky and he goes to the movies and he gets himself a big tub of popcorn.
1: Yeah.
0: Um it's the best. All right, my biggest and By the way, I do
1: it every week. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Maybe this is also your guilty pleasure, but I also like to ask guests, what's your biggest guilty pleasure that you spend a lot of money on? <sighs>
1: Man, you know, I, I don't, I, I personally don't spend a lot of money on anything. You should ask your wife. You should <laughs> ask my wife, but I, if, if it was going to be kind of for the family, what we spent, and I swear, I wish I could tell you, like I bought fancy, I really don't spend any money on myself, but it would be taking like a nice vacation. Like we just went, um, we went to Disney Europe last year. We took all four kids to Europe and we, they've been to Europe like five times already. And we flew, uh, us, my wife and all four kids first class.
0: That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. That's great. Especially that's nice with four kids. That's got to be nice.
1: Oh, so much easier. You, you don't get the best looks from people coming on the plane, but my kids are so good on the plane. So by the end, they all come over and say, oh my God, your kids were angels. Because I, I, I threaten them with death. <laughs> I, that, that's a big, that's a thing. That's a good parent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: One thing I wish I'd known about money growing up is.
1: That it's abundant. Because mm-hmm. um, I think my dad was so conservative. He would have – he was pushing me, hey, Ryan, just stay as a teacher. You know, you'll, you'll make a little bit more each year. You could do a little bit on the side and maybe you'll make hundred grand to get combined, maybe. But that was his – and that's the one big thing we disagreed about. And I said, dad, I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make millions. He's like, well, you know, you should be conservative, stay in – so mm. that, I, I wish I kind of – I'm glad I have the conservative background, but I wish I saw more of the abundance. Like it truly is abundant. And it's not only about say, like you could make a, a, virtually unlimited money. Like there's, you know, when when people say, "Oh, this baseball player shouldn't get fifteen mil. Well, that's what the market's paying. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, then go out and go make it in your own area. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I completely agree. Mm-hmm. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because.
1: Hmm. Um. I like to give to oh – God, because we give to so many charities. Um, I like to give to local charities that help the youth. Um, that would probably be the big one. Although we did – we actually built a school in Africa. Wow. Yeah. we um At one of my events, we raised money live on stage. I gave away like all my products – and uh, and we built a school and it was for this event called the Continuity Summit, and it's called the Continuity Summit School in Africa. So it's pretty cool. That uh, is
0: awesome. So it's just
1: it's so I really like to give to charities that are that help kids and give them a better future.
0: Yeah, going back to your roots.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And last question, Ryan, little chance for you to brag here. I like <laughs> my guests to to pat themselves on the back. I'm Ryan Lee and I'm so money because I'm happy. Yeah, right on. That's a good answer. I never got that one before, but it completely makes sense. And I I sense that you are leading a, a life that's abundant, that's happy. Uh, you know who you are, what you want, and you're extremely inspiring. And I'm so lucky that I'm so money because I, I had the chance to meet you a few months ago and now you're on the podcast. I really appreciate you. Our Our listeners appreciate you. Have a great weekend.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.
0: That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Ryan, please visit his website, ryanlee.com. He's also on Twitter at space Ryan Lee. Also check out his books, The Millionaire Workout and Passion to Profits. We've got all this info plus links at somoneypodcast.com. There, of course, there's also the transcript from this interview, comments, and comments and transcripts from all the rest. And as always, I want to hear from you. Please submit your question about money, work, life, guests. Head over to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh, and there is a superb chance that I will answer this weekend, if not the following weekend. And if you love what you're hearing and you want the podcast to continue shining its light in the iTunes store, please spend a minute or two and leave a review on iTunes. It is a powerful way to support the podcast, to avoid it from falling into obscurity, Good reviews, as I've said, I sound like a broken record and I apologize, but it's working. People are leaving reviews. I'm so excited. Good reviews get you good placement and more organic growth. And if you do leave a review, please let me know. Email me, Farnoosh, at so com. I'd like to thank you in advance and also potentially select you, as I do every week, select one new reviewer to receive a free 15-minute money session with moi. So if you're into that, leave a review. There's a good chance it might happen. Thank you very much for listening today. Wasn't Ryan fantastic? Check him out, ryanlee.com. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money.